Hello, and welcome back to PodPod's mini-series on how to win a British Podcast Award. My name's Adam Shepard, and I'm joined once again by BPA co-founders Matt Hill and Matt Deegan. Hello. Hello. Happy Tuesday afternoon to you. Happy Tuesday afternoon. I've started it now, so I have to carry on. (laughs) So far on this series, we've looked at how to structure an award, what the judges look for when making their decision, and what potential entrants can learn from previous winners. But in this episode, we want to talk about what happens after you've walked off with a trophy. After your name is called and you collect your award, what can you expect? How can winning a British Podcast Award help boost your podcast? And what's the best way to take advantage of your win? To that end, we're joined by two of last year's BPA Gold winners, Jake Warren, founder of podcast production company Message Heard, which won Best True Crime, supported by Wondery for The Catch, and Kirk Flash, who won the BBC Sounds Rising Star Award with This Is Gay. Guys, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking. So let's dive straight into it then. For your awards last year, what was your immediate reaction to the win? Kirk, how did you feel? I genuinely did not expect to have to leave my seat once. <laughs> and you can tell that because I did not iron my top. So literally the first thing I thought was, I wish I ironed my top. <laughs> um, I literally sat right at the back. I was so happy just to be at a festival celebrating podcasts and also just getting ideas and inspiration from other people that I didn't think for a second that I would have to, you know, sort of partake. And then when I was sort of running up to collect the award and kind of speak, I watched some footage back of this and I'm clapping. I think it's just everyone's automatic response to start clapping when other people are clapping. And I was like, oh, this probably looks really weird. I'm not asking you all to clap more. I was just joining in. But no, I was incredibly flattered. It meant so much to me because podcasting sometimes gets a bad rap, especially for those who started during the pandemic. It kind of felt like everybody who could afford a mic and could talk made a podcast. I didn't have any expectations. I was just happy with what I had made and I'm glad that other people enjoyed it too. I mean, your day actually, Kirk, kind of started, I think, quite surreally in the sense that you were effectively being announced by the newsreaders on the Radio 4 News. I remember that morning. It was basically you were the story. It was your two nominations and the Climate Award were the two things that the BBC News focused on in the run-up to the awards. They had no idea that you were going to win, but uh, it was sort of just fascinating from our point of view as well to go, oh, this is really interesting that they've picked out your show as one of the ones to listen to. So even before the win, there was a real interest in your show. Yeah, which makes me think maybe it was all rigged. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> the Metro also had an article about the awards and had predicted me as a winner as well. I wasn't aware of any of this before, which is great because it meant I didn't have any sort of a uh, expectation. So I have I have no idea how these things get voted for. I have no idea of the listenership. I really should probably pay more attention to that stuff. <laughs> I genuinely... W- Every time anyone says anything positive about this is gay, I'm just happy that they like it because as a creator, first and foremost, you just want people to not hate the thing you've made. Um, <laughs> so no, it's, it is really surreal to hear other people. It, whenever you, I'm, do you guys get this? Whenever you hear your name in someone else's mouth, it just sounds, because I'm used to saying my own name quite a lot. But when you hear like a person <laughs> you've never met talking about you, uh, I'm still not over that. So that's probably going to take a while to get used to as well. 
Mine's usually followed by swear words, so. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, Jake, your category was, I think it's fair to say, one of the most highly contested. What was your immediate response? Well, so not to copy Kirk's answer, but it was quite similar in the sense that if I'm being truthful, we were up against, you know, Sweet Bobby, Batsy Poltergeist, you know, all of these huge hitters. So I would be as confident as I am that we've made a high quality show. It's lovely to be nominated. There's not a single part of me that thinks we're going to win it. So I was, I think, standing at the back of the tent, downing a beer to console myself. And then (laughs) when it was read out, genuine shock and amazement and obviously gratitude, but really did not expect it because I think I said on the day, it was bittersweet, not only in the sense that well, in the sense that actually we beat some of my favourite shows, which feels quite strange. But um, no, it was elation, really. I mean, like you said, to win the true crime, that's probably the most coveted BPA, isn't it? If you think about it. So for us, it was it was an amazing moment. So did anything change for you guys afterwards? Immediately following your win, was there anything that you felt was different? For me... I got kind of a crash course in having to explain what This Is Gay was very quickly and succinctly for people who had this renewed or first-time interest in it. It'd been a project I'd been working on for about, I think, six months from conception to delivery. I'm I'm saying these <laughs> professional terms. I literally just did it in my room. <laughs> but yeah, I after getting the actual award and taking pictures and then going backstage, I was interviewed for something on BBC. And I was like, oh, I've never actually spoken about this succinctly and well before. So I think what changed, there's probably not the answer you're expecting, but what changed for me is having to brand this thing that I've been working on quite solitarily for other people. And that was a good thing because actually the more I learned to speak about the podcast, the more people would be interested in it. And then opportunities came off the back of that. But that changed for me. I think just taking myself and the project a lot more seriously. Obviously, when you're working on something, it's kind of all you can think about. But then after the fact, you've also got to think quite seriously about how you talk about it. So I got better at doing that, I think. I mean, we'll, we'll assess after this. Maybe maybe I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone sort of suffers from imposter syndrome somewhat and they make their thing and then put it out into the world. And then if it gets nominated or, or wins an award, it's like suddenly a proper thing in your head. It's weird, isn't it, that everyone's talking about it like it's a proper thing. And of course, it's always been a proper thing. But there is sometimes a kind of mindset shift, isn't there? I mean, God, for me, yes, because This Is Gay is a, is a kind of like a mix of a documentary slash mockumentary slash sketch show about the gay experience, right? And it's not about the kind of rainbow, happy, clapper, glitter side of it. It's about the kind of murky other stuff. So there's a lot of sound effects, as you can imagine. It's what gays get up to when they think no one's looking. And the way I made some of these sound effects, <laughs> I was like, oh, I bet like if I, if I had a proper budget for this, I'd be doing this in the studio with not <laughs> the, the items that I'm using. <laughs> um, so it's quite funny. I was talking to John Holmes about the soundscape and obviously John Holmes makes the skewer and that is so beautifully put together. And him comparing what I had done to him, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure we don't make them the same way. But yeah, you just have to kind of, I guess, keeping your head on your shoulders, you've got to realise that other people will take what you've made seriously, even if you had to do some very unserious things to kind of create it. But having to talk about your podcast succinctly with stuff like kind of interviews and 
that sort of thing. I imagine in a lot of ways that's a crash course or good practice, at least, for pitching your show, whether that's pitching it to commissioners for future seasons, pitching it to advertisers and potential sponsors. Did you find that that process was helpful later down the line for This Is Gay? Oh, definitely. I think also just because the the subject matter, even in 2023, is still a bit divisive. I think there are things that people kind of especially in a tolerant society like ours, which we're all lucky enough to, to, to live in, there are accepted things about the gay experience and there's some deeply unaccepted things. And so when talking about it, God, I had the very surreal experience of having to describe it to somebody without using the word gay. <laughs> oh, wow. And that's pretty difficult because one of the three words <laughs> in the title is that <laughs> because I wasn't sure how they would react to it. it was a very specific conversation I was having about music that I wanted to use for for something I'm, I'm doing with the podcast. It's a country and Western music track that I wanted to use. And so I was asked, oh, what's the project? Uh. And so I had to describe it in the most roundabout way. And I think literally all the interviews that I've had about it have just given me new vocabulary. <laughs> so essentially, I just now know how to describe gays as men on the outskirts is how I, <laughs> on the peripherals of society, is how I describe it in certain situations, which it kind of talks to what the gay experience is still like. You know, like even you get in an Uber to a party somewhere, you have to kind of assess how cool the Uber guy is as to whether or not you tell him where you're going. You still have to kind of second guess a couple of things. And I think talking about the project, I just got even better. So on the subject of pitching then, Jake, your podcast, I think it's fair to say, is a bit more commercially focused and a bit more a bit more established in terms of the production process than This Is Gay. Was there anything that surprised you about the aftermath of the win? Well, yeah, you're right. So we did it, obviously, with and for Audible, which gives you, I suppose, a lot more processes and space and, and honestly, funding to be able to do something that is investigative over a long, long period of time. And with us, where it was an investigation into a potential miscarriage of justice and also potentially accusing people of things, you know, the legals that come with that as well are really, really important. And also it was whilst ongoing, there being an appeal process and there are all sorts of laws and rules around what you can and can't say when people are going through the, the appellate courts and things like that. So that was far too complicated for my small brain and we had to get experts <laughs> in to help. In terms of aftermath, I suppose for me, obviously in my mind, and I'm not just saying this because the co-founders are on the call, but you know, the BPAs <laughs> is probably the benchmark for credibility, certainly in this country and even in when we look at perhaps, and I won't name names, but other awards that have come out, it's all quite self-congratulatory. Whereas with this, it feels that actually to win something which is nominated and decided by our peers, it feels that little bit more momentous to win it. It really does feel like a marquee thing for us. And even though we're five years in as a company now and, you know, been lucky enough to win many awards and do many great things, it really did feel like a bit of a sea change for us to win the best true crime at the BPH last year. And, and, and you know, we felt, felt like a bit like a child, which was fantastic, being given lots of sweets. <laughs> for me, I suppose, in terms of impact, one of the things that I really liked about it was that I think we're always told that true crime is the most popular thing, almost in a slightly pastiche or pejorative way that 
people like to hear about gruesome murders. You know, it's sort of another nameless woman dead in a barrel and sort of portraiture of a potential serial killer. But doesn't he have kind eyes? You know, it's this kind of strange glamorizing, I think, of, of you know, what is real lives and real crime. And what we wanted to do was to do something that was a mixture of proper quality investigative journalism, but also meeting with high quality storytelling so that it was both, you know, entertaining and informing. And actually for us to win where, you know, working with Raphael Rowe, who is someone that I've known and respected for a long time, actually, I think he was the perfect person to lead a podcast in the sense because he's a proper investigative journalist, but he also spent 12 years in jail for a murder he didn't commit and actually allowed us to meet those worlds together and I'm really glad to say that we managed to beat certain things, which, you know, I don't, I'm not besmirching the intention, but it, we tried to do something that was not exploitative in the true crime space, which can actually be quite difficult to do. And to get our just rewards in terms of winning the big one, it felt like we were right in and vindicated in that thinking that we could do it. Did it impact how either of you made your podcasts getting this win? Did it change how you approached the production process at all? I mean, we, we certainly like to remind people that are commissioners and who have, you know, money that we've won this so that we're a sure bet and, you know, mitigated <laughs> risk and all of those kind of things. From my perspective, no, not really. It was more a vindication of the things that we already do and best practices that actually it's good enough to achieve the highest results rather than us suddenly having to do things differently. It's validation, really, for me. That's how I feel about it. It's interesting you say that, actually, Jacob. As a company, you've been going five years, but, you know, often you're pitching to companies that are 100 years old yeah. or, you know, 20 years old or whatever. <laughs> and there's a certain amount of like, yeah, this is legit and we're around for the long haul here. So anything that can kind of give you, yeah, that kind of credibility is 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 always going to make it easier for commissioners and broadcasters and whoever publishers to, to kind of take a bet on a relatively young company. Absolutely. It's a good shortcut to just say we're legit, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of crazy that yeah. anybody sort of needs it really. But I think particularly in, in the pitch process, when you're never quite sure who that person is or what they're connected to, or do they really understand the sector? It can often just be a shortcut to saying, yes, you should be listening to what I have to say. And I think it's quite telling that I've spoken to a number of previous winners of not just the gold awards like yourselves have won, but also the bronze and silver awards that say, yeah, we we use our bronze and silver award wins in a lot of our marketing as well. You know, it's not just the top spot that that people seem to find valuable and find to be, as you say, a sign of legitimacy. For sure. I actually felt more excited about winning the silver for best comedy mm, interesting. for gold and rising star yeah I, it's very organic i just kind of paid attention to how i felt i think because french and saunas are in that category as well and obviously i still don't understand the black magic behind any of this but <laughs> it was like oh okay good it's not just me who found this material funny i think even just being acknowledged even being nominated to be honest nothing really has beaten the the feeling of being nominated the excitement i got for just getting that far Everything else was just like a pleasant kind of top up. I don't think my colleagues that work in our branded and sales team have gone one day without mentioning the fact that they won bronze for the best sales team since <laughs> the awards. Far more than winning gold for the best true crime. It has been mentioned more in the office. 
It's a bit vulgar to brag about gold, isn't it? Yeah. You just kind of... <laughs> Although sales teams, you know, are highly competitive. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's that's good to know. <laughs> I think what was quite nice, like I said in an earlier episode, I, I get a Google alert, obviously every time British Podcast Awards is mentioned anywhere. And there's definitely something each day. And often it's someone going on tour or someone who's got launching a new series. And yeah, people are very happy to say, just nominated or won a bronze or got a silver. I think it's any excuse is good to drop it in. Did you guys find that the win gave you any commercial advantages or opened any new doors from a business perspective? Uh, any of your wins, in fact? For me, definitely. One of the sort of exciting new frontiers of the podcasting industry is obviously how we intersect now with more long-standing and lucrative mediums that are basically looking to steal our stuff. <laughs> you know, the IP gold rush, right, of the streamers, TV and film, books, even a little bit looking at sort of podcasting now. And really, I think, starting to think about that actually as sort of A-B development and testing for their own mediums. How can we do something on the cheap, prove the concept, take the audience with us? The qualification of a lot of these places is because they don't really understand the podcasting industry yet. They look at the British Podcast Awards, they look down the list, they go, right, who's won? Right, he's won that. So they must be pretty good. Let's have a conversation. And so what, again, that qualification and credibility, yes, it's the gold standard and we really care about it amongst our peers in the audio space, but actually for people that don't really understand it yet, and it's more of an emerging space, it's a mitigation of risk and it's a qualification that actually we're the right kind of people they should be speaking to in order to work with high quality people. And and that adaptation journey continues. It means that you're going to get a lot more interest. I know certainly from making shows which are on that adaptation journey to making this show, which won the best true crime, just the initial sort of unqualified interest was huge, perhaps compared to some of the other things where it had to be a little bit more qualified and thought out about who to speak to. You know, you just get vast reams of people that just almost cold approach you because, oh, you've won a big award. Therefore, it must be good, even if I've never listened to it. Yeah, what Jake said, essentially. <laughs> Same experience. I've, yeah, I've never thought I'd be in a position where I could turn down opportunities just because if you really care about what you make, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of energy and you can't just say yes to, even though it feels really nice getting all the sweets, as Jake said. Yeah, that, that definitely did change. And it's interesting you say the unqualified interest. It kind of is that, right? Because mm. people just see your name and my name gets a certain amount of attention anyway just because it doesn't sound real. <laughs> so that plus, it's just, it's just there's a lot going on on the page when when my name is put next to an award. And yeah, it, it's great. And I, and I really, I'm so grateful to the British Podcast Awards for that because it takes a lot of work to get to that stage anyway. Right. And this, this having that kind of validation is just like a little boost, which can make a lot of difference. So, Kirk, you have, at time of recording, just recently been announced as the host of a new podcast working with Free Turn, which blends travel and food stuff, I believe. What role, if any, did your BPA wins play in helping to kind of bring you this opportunity? A huge one. A huge one. So it was kind of a combination of being personally recommended by someone who had just joined Free Turn, but then being able to say, and here's what he has done. So I think without the British Podcast Awards, I don't know if I would have had been given that opportunity so easily. Like I feel like I would have at least had to like do a bit of a uh, like an audition for it or whatever, because I inherited the concept. And I'm working with Audible 
on it. The, the project is called Chasing the Sound. And they were really open to everything I had to contribute to it. Because originally when I saw the opportunity, I thought, oh, they just want me as the kind of the voiceover guy for this format that has been established. And as soon as I got told how much creative control I could have, then I started to pull it apart and go, okay, well, it doesn't make any sense if we do this and that. I think having the the award, let everyone believe I was a safe pair of hands, even though, I mean, I had to also get a lot better at writing and podcasting to do this. <laughs> and that will just all happen behind the scenes. And hopefully no one will even guess how much work went into just sounding good. But yeah, that that, that opportunity, I think, probably came directly off the back of of winning and so that that project you, you mentioned food i think i'm probably eating quite a lot during it but it's not about food per se but it is about all the places you can be taken just from a song if you kind of go down the rabbit hole of your favorite music you'll end up you probably will end up in a different country just from asking question after question after question and even though in this call with you asking me questions usually i'm the one to be asking about everything because i'm endlessly interested so yeah, that, that, I'm looking forward to that's very much kind of being made right now. I have an interview tomorrow with a musician in Morocco, which has nothing to do with the song that led me there, but it, it does in a way. And I'm looking forward to how it all comes out because again, it is a bit of magic, right? We don't know how these podcasts will sound until we've literally done the final export and go, okay, that's what it is. So I'm looking forward to that. Matt and Matt, I want to just bring you guys into this quickly. Are there any other standout examples that you can share of ways in which previous winners have used their awards success to further their careers and to, to leverage those awards for greater success? I think it's really interesting, isn't it? We don't bestow talent on anybody. Like the people that win are really good at what they do and have done a great job. Mm. And the people who judge it, who listen to it, which is a you know, decent number of people, independently are listening to something often for the first time and go, oh, this is good. This is good. I really like this. And so I'm always you know, very pleased that the awards gets to shine a light on people who are always good at what they did. They just might not have been at the top of the tree uh, or been someone that everyone was aware of. Uh, and I think there's quite a lot of examples over the years of smaller shows that sort of jump on a more of a speeding train. And also, like, it looks, looks different things. I mean, we had a, a big winner in George the Poet a few years ago. Now, he was someone who was already sort of famous, not necessarily in that space, but because he won so many, it generated a lot of momentum for him. And uh, he got a second series that was funded by BBC Sounds. I'm sure there was a BPA connection there. Uh, and similarly, something like Brown Girls Do It Too, you know, it's a BBC show. And I think one of the challenges for the BBC or for any big, big kind of publisher broadcaster is they're making so many programs what gets recommissioned what gets a second series and i think again it was probably sort of a bit of a secret hit and hadn't necessarily done the numbers or done numbers that have been absolutely fine for it but actually could have really grown and so it had a second series i think they've just done a, a, a big british tour with a really kind of interesting interesting show uh, so anything that that sort of puts puts some um rocket boosters on on something uh, i think that's always a good opportunity with the awards and also it's not just about discovering new avenues for your show and new audiences but it might just 
up the ambition of the show you already have. So I think about a show like Cinemile, who won Best New Podcast a few years ago. I was just about to bring these guys up. Yeah, they're great. And and I think Kathy, who co-hosts that show, they review a film on the way back from the cinema. It's basically the length, the time it takes them to walk from the cinema back to their house. So it's the that's the journey and that's the podcast. So light edit, very little edit. Mm. Kathy picked up the award, heavily pregnant, and I'm sure it was in their mind wh- whether they were going to continue to make that podcast once it had a baby and what was going to happen next. Um, not only did they carry on doing it, but then they started to bring in special guests and they had people to come on the journey and be able to like wave the award and say, look, we're legit, come on our show. It meant that they got some really stellar names to come and just have that walk from you know the cinema to their house. And I think that's that's the kind of thing I think is wonderful is that you, know, you can kind of plonk your trophy down on the virtual table and say, look, come and listen to me. This is going to be a good experience for you too. Well, not only that, but the BBC actually got in touch with them after their BPA win for Best Newcomers. And they actually got them in to do a bunch of internal workshops with their radio staff about creativity and thinking outside the box and all of this kind of stuff. They also did a recording at the Latitude Festival, I believe in 2019. And how much of that is down to the BPA win specifically and how much of it would have happened anyway is, of course, impossible to to know for sure. But when we spoke to them a couple of months ago, they were fairly adamant that a lot of that was directly traceable to the to the BPA win. I, I could support that. Commissioners are often like magpies, right? They like collecting shiny things. And, you know, I, I, this is just anecdotally from my experience of winning the BPA. I think my one-footed touchdown on the grass after descending from the stage and, you know, I'm clasped on the shoulder by someone who's been ignoring my emails for three months saying, so So, what are we doing next? <laughs> you know, it, it definitely, definitely helps. I think also there's just something about getting a bit of encouragement, isn't there? I think podcasting can be a, a particularly solitary experience, whether you actually work for a big organisation or you're just doing it on your own. It does take a lot of work effort. It fills up your mind. It's tough to get an audience. You know, it's a big old slog. And I think having anything, you know, getting something mentioned in a, you know, some press or getting an award nomination, it just kind of makes you go, I am right to spend all this time on it. This is going in the right direction. Uh, and it's it's still annoying, but yes, I should keep going and I should keep carrying on. Yeah, and not to beat one of my existing hobby horses to death too much, but it can be very tempting to focus on the download numbers and to compare the download numbers that you're getting with the real big headline figures that we see from the 0.1%, you know, naming no Rogans. <laughs> so having stuff like a BPA win to or even just a nomination, as you say, Kirk, to validate that, no, I am doing I am doing good work and it is getting noticed kind of regardless of whether or not you're pulling in like, you know, hundreds of thousands of listens per episode. I can imagine that's that's something that does, you know, have an impact on on morale. Yeah, I t- totally agree. Numbers are such a, a cruel metric, right? Because they can be convincing in one way, but then if you think about all the other things that kind of intersect with why something is popular... It's nice to think that actually, no, a, a group of people listened and made a decision. And these are people who are exposed to the best and the worst podcasts out there. And so qualitatively, that means a lot more. Uh, obviously, if I if This Is Gay got a million listens tomorrow, I probably will talk about that. <laughs> but at the same time, I think there are podcasts that you know have probably a smaller listenership. 
that still have a really good chance of being acknowledged and then getting the boost that they deserve. Aside from ironing your shirt, is there anything you wish that you'd done differently uh, after winning your award? I hid (laughs) by some plants because I love doing stuff like this, but sometimes being just kind of like accosted by people after a thing, it can be quite uh, unnerving. Mm. So I wish I didn't hide so much because actually when I did stop hiding, I met loads of really nice people. So that's just a personality thing. I just wish I had a different personality is essentially what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably a personality that a lot of podcasters share, though. I wouldn't be surprised if that's uh, more universal than you might think. Right, because we've been used to just being like in a dark space for a very long time making a thing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I'm actually really happy with how that whole period went. I think when you start to take yourself more seriously as a creator, you you do kind of accept opportunities a lot more easily. Mm. You have to be kind of open to it and having conversations, knowing that, yes, this might just be schmoozing, but it also might lead to something and approaching those situations with good faith. And I think off the back of it, not only did I have creative opportunities, I've got two cushions with my face on them <laughs> because that was the thing I didn't expect. When you get to the awards, I don't know what it will be like this year, but there was a kind of like a wall of of cushions with people's kind of podcast art. And my face just happens to be quite big, <laughs> quite a big feature <laughs> of my podcast art. And then the Rising Star one obviously is my face again. So I, I, I have those two, as you can see. Oh, wow. Yeah. I have them because I'm not ashamed of them. Other people have said there's a cringe, you should put those away. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't have furniture with my face on it and I'm going to keep this. Um, so yeah, being, being unashamed about it is actually something I'm really glad I did afterwards. Genuine question. What are you more proud of displaying, the cushion or the award? <laughs> Oh, that's hard because I have two awards. Not because I won two awards or trophies, because the first one was not misprinted because I'm sure the standards of trophy printing are very high, but one of the letters fell off. Uh. So technically, I am the <laughs> I'm the winner of the Ring Star Award, which I mean, in different circles is, is a great thing to be called. But um, yeah, so they sent me another one and I'm proud of both of them because they're, they're just it's just funny that um, they both make me smile and laugh. So yeah, it's a toss up. We're nothing if not diligent on postage and packaging. Oh, and it was brilliant. It was so well <laughs> delivered. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the quote we'll use today. <laughs> Trophies well delivered. Uh, Jake, is there anything that you think other people should sort of prepare for if they're if they maybe if they're nominated of, of, of what to do if if they if they win hit the ground running perhaps. Maybe some sort of semblance of a speech. I mean, that would have been, looking back, that, that, <laughs> that would have been good. Um, no, I think it's, it's you know, like you talked about a little bit earlier, actually, it's always going to be a bit of a sort of frozen in headlights moment, right, if you win, unless you're really cool, calm and collected, which sadly I'm not. And actually the sort of, the, the infrastructure that you have backstage, I suppose, is pretty good, actually. So you get on stage, you know, you blurt out your, your words that you you no one knows what you've said or if they've made any sense. And then you get sort of carted off stage and then you get told, right, you're going to talk to these people. And, you know, you get given a good bit of guidance about what you should say and kind of who you're going to speak to and all that kind of stuff. So I, I really, I think it's actually more of a day to enjoy it. The hard work has been done. You've made the podcast, you've been nominated, which is a success in of itself. Anything else is just, you know, the cherry on the icing on the top of the cake. So, 
you know, yeah, sure, don't embarrass yourself. Don't say anything too weird or awkward, but really just <laughs> enjoy yourself because the hard work, you know, all of that adulation and 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 that award and that feeling of winning, you and your team that have made it, you, you know, you, it's richly deserved. So just enjoy it, really. And from a practical standpoint, for those that are lucky enough to bag an award this year, what advice would you have for them? How can they best take advantage of the win and best leverage it to their benefit? I would say what Jake said, having a speech, <laughs> I know that's obviously jumping the gun a bit, but having something to say, it, it, it just means you're not worried about that part, right? You don't want to kind of like spoil the win by saying something weird. But I think uh, if you have a social media or a website, adding that as soon as you can, because you have no idea, you're, you're going to get a really uh, intense amount of focus for like a day afterwards, as soon as it's, you know, kind of released in the press and everything else. So I think be ready to go. Almost prepare it, you know, don't be ashamed to kind of update your, your website in advance and then click publish. I didn't do this and I don't know what would have changed if I did do this, but I think looking back, I would have sort of backed myself a little bit and be prepared for a win and be prepared for the attention that you will get because it, it will pass, you know, that you'll get like an in, uh, insane amount of new listeners and then some of them will love what you've done and some of them won't. But just being prepared for that mentally. I think the word that Adam used was the right one, which is leverage, because often these creative endeavors, especially at the beginning, they're labors of love, right? Where you might not be earning tons and tons of money to do it. And, you know, you may be making well lots of sacrifices. And if you reap the benefits of that sacrifice, actually the leverage then comes in, you know, how do I take this creativity and leverage it into commerciality? Actually, like Kirk just said, right, for a fleeting moment of time, even if it's hours, days, weeks, you're going to be, you know, the center of attention and people are going to be interested in you and what you have to say. How can you actually leverage that into the next thing? You know, whether it's bringing back the same podcast, even more ambitious levels or achieving a second season or, or actually it's going, hey, I'm, I'm not a one trick pony. You know, this mitigates the risk of working with me or my colleagues on other things as well and making sure to leverage that whilst you're having your moment in the sun. One of the things that sometimes people say to us is they assume that everyone's told that they're a winner beforehand no. or that, you know, people are kind of in the know and generally not. We don't tell anybody. And sometimes people ask like, oh, you know, some people want to come, but only if we win, it's like, well, you're going to have to see, you have to come along or don't come along. So I think that's sometimes a surprise and that they think it's all, everyone's been pre-briefed, which they have not. No, even for the, um, the nomination ceremony. Obviously, you go to that with good faith that you'll you know you'll hear your name, um, but I genuinely didn't expect to be nominated. And so when I posted about it, I had to really labour that point. Like I genuinely, I know I got dressed up and came to this, but I genuinely could have just walked out <laughs> straight away. Yeah, you got to be open to the chance that you may win, and even if you don't win, you're in really really good company, so you can take advantage of just being there. And also, I would say, don't be downhearted if you don't get nominated or don't win, right? Because actually, for years now, I've been applying religiously to the British Podcast Awards and being roundly ignored every year. And, and I've been trying my best to bribe Matt Hill uh, <laughs> since 2018. <laughs> Happy to report he's never succumbed to such bribes. I, th I think, the, unfortunately, the narrative suggests that I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It now does. Well, maybe it did. You know, who knows? Um, who can say? Who can say? But, yeah, it's, it's, uh, what I would say is don't lose faith because actually, you know, try, try again. 
I just want to quickly pick up something uh, that you mentioned, Kirk. You mentioned that you got a significant bump in listeners after the win. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So obviously you can use kind of a platform to check to see the numbers. I've never been particularly interested in in that side of it. But I was just minding my business the other day and someone said, oh, I love your podcast. They shouted at me and I had no idea where the voice came from. And that's never happened to me. And I don't think it's going to happen again. (laughs) But I know that, um, I said it was the other day, that was actually after the awards. But I know that's because of the, the increased attention from that. Because the thing is, the BPAs work, there are press there, there are industry professionals there. And so the little thing that you've done just suddenly gets spoken about in lots of different avenues and that will kind of have a ripple effect. Uh, yeah, so the feel- feeling that, you know, it feels almost tangible, the increased attention. That's a good thing. Again, the, the numbers to me, like I said before, is a very cruel metric, right? Because some thrive from that and some don't, but they're still very good projects. The real lived experience of those numbers is that you're going to have more people interacting with you based on the thing that you've made. Yeah. And it's always good to see the numbers going up, regardless of, you know, how large they are. More listeners is very rarely a bad thing. No, of course. Discoverability play, isn't it? Mm. And also it's a mitigation of risk to take the time out of my busy day to give something a potential listen because I might like it. Because if my peers and everyone else liked it, well, maybe I will. I mean, for us, just to follow on that is there's anecdotally what what was said to us, which is because obviously we did ours with Audible, it works in a slightly different way in terms of being able to access the data and things. But I think one of the commissioners or one of the people that we'd worked closely with said, you know, said to us with some delight after we'd won, you know, you've knocked Stephen Fry off the top of the Audible charts. (laughs) And I remember thinking, you know, take that, Stephen, one nil. You know, I'm pretty sure he was back the following week, but for a brief moment in time, we had beaten Stephen Fry. One nil. Yeah. Yeah. We're also really fortunate in that the awards are supported by Apple Music and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Amazon Music Podcasts, who will you know, run a promo for our winners and our, and our nominees and then press do love a list. That's the other thing is that it's the, the, the awards nominees and the, the winners are a great list for, for journalists to, to look at, to, to sculpt articles and things. So yeah, we, we see a lot of traffic generated by some of those uh, efforts as well, which is obviously great for the great for the winners. Which means you should probably set a Google alert just like Deegan. Yeah, yeah I need to do that. I can't <laughs> believe I was in a publication you said and I didn't even know about it. So I'll do that now. <laughs> I just want to say a massive thank you. It was a nice sunny day, that award ceremony, but it really did change the trajectory of my of my podcast and what I'm able to do. So thank you very much. Thanks, Kurt. Yeah, I want to echo it. I mean, again, you know, sort of been in it, the industry for a fair period of time now, it's easy to become cynical and hard and cold and actually many things I am. But winning on that nice sunny day really did kind of was a reminder of actually why we get into this kind of work because it's the love of creating stories and doing amazing creative things and 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 hopefully that for that love to be reciprocated and shared by others and, and there's no greater validation and endorsement than winning that award. So, you know, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Well, I cannot think of a nicer or more heartwarming note to end this episode on, and indeed to end this portion of our mini-series on. Thank you so much to Matt Deegan and Matt Hill for joining me, and thanks to Jake Warren and Kirk Flash for sharing your stories. Oh, no worries. Anytime.
I'm happy to stay on and moan about other things if you like. <laughs> <laughs> that is it for this portion of the miniseries. However, we will be back after the British Podcast Awards 2023 ceremony to talk to some of the winners of this year's awards and to discuss some of the highlights of the night. You can find everything you need to submit your entry for this year's awards on the British Podcast Awards website and indeed on podpod.com, as well as tons of other great content. We look forward to seeing you at the awards themselves and we look forward to listening to all of your entries. Thanks for joining us. 